Hello, welcome to another episode of Unlocking the Kento Box. Have you ever wondered what goes on in the mind of a debater? Well, you're in luck. Because me, personally, am very excited to share this with you. Two days ago, I competed in a debate tournament hosted by my own school, which I am very grateful for and will thank all the people who have helped out with this. So I feel like the experience I had at this tournament was quite the journey. And my mind was all over the place from up to down, from right to left, whatever you may call it. But this episode will primarily be concerning what really goes on in the mind of a debater from the rounds to the break times and consider the fact that I am a Lincoln-Douglas debater which inherently concerns morals and justice. There are other forms of debate which my fellow friends do like for example parliamentary debate, public forum debate, and speech which is an entirely new event. So yeah without further ado this is what goes on in the mind of a debater. Now, let's first begin with pre-rounds. What goes on in a debater's mind before the rounds even start? Well, in a debate tournament, usually we like to ask ourselves a few questions. Do I know my arguments well enough? Is my computer charged? Do I know what to do between rounds? How will I do if my opponents say unexpected things? These are all things that we must consider before going into a round and actually debating. So on Saturday, it was a bright and sunny morning. It's pretty chilly because the wind has been sweeping at us for the entire week. I arrive in my fancy Hugo Boss fit, which in fact does give me confidence. So as I keep going and wait till the first round begins, I make sure. How well can I argue my case? And for those of you who didn't know, when you go to a debate tournament, you have to prepare both sides and you're going to have to debate for the resolution and against the resolution. And Usually, what people refer to for and against, in debate terms, affirmative means for and negative means against. So, I have to make sure I know both sides well. This is something that a lot of people should take into consideration, even in their general life. Because, after all, there are two sides to a proper debate. So anyway, back to the pre-round phase. Let's say that you are going into a round, but you don't quite have the knowledge. Well, the first thing that we as debaters would do is look over our case again. Make sure that we know how to use our case and how to argue it well. Now, sometimes it can get nerve-wracking because your opponent may 
you know, either know more about the topic in general or speak better. But whatever the case is, it's really not about the opponent, it's about you. So, in a debater's mind, they want to make sure they're confident, they're active, and they're ready to go no matter who they face. Because, for example, let's say we're doing a healthcare topic, and your opponent has, let's say, a doctor, as a dad, or a, or a pharmacist. They will know a lot about the topic, and you may not, but that's totally fine. Because what ultimately matters is going to be how you debate the topic. Because knowledge isn't really prevalent until you put it to good use. So now that, you know, some of the things that we think about when we even first arrive at the tournament has been covered. Now, what do we think right before the round? Let's say we got our opponent already. Well, now we hyper-analyze. We think, hmm, I'm this side. What do I need to do? I need to focus on this side specifically. Think of it as like a small chess game that we deal with in our head. If the opponent says this, how do I respond? If the opponent doesn't say this, what do I need to further push in order for me to win the round? It's really a mini chess game. And for those of you who don't really know what chess is, it's inherently just a game where two sides go back and forth based on what the opponent does. This is very similar when it comes to debate because you need to kind of have everything planned out in case your opponent may have something unexpected. So on Saturday, when I was doing this thing, exact thing, hyper-analyzing, I kind of just focused on the impacts. Which impacts of my arguments are really strong? How would they stand out? So, considering this, it all comes together. As a debater, before the round start, make sure everything is prepared. And we go through a lot of hard work before the tournament in general, like the week before. We make sure we go through a lot of practice. But ultimately, it all comes down to confidence. Make sure that you are confident in what you are saying and you will succeed. That's kind of like the speech we always give our give to ourselves before the rounds. Um, it's pretty it's pretty cliche, but it does work. So that is the pre-round phase. What do we do before the rounds? What do we think before the rounds? How do we do these things? And ultimately, this phase is what will get us smoothly transitioned into the actual round. So, the round itself. What goes on in our minds when we first enter a classroom or wherever we may be debating? Well, we all know that chess is a pretty stressful game and oftentimes it's really based on whoever makes the better move. Inherently, this is what goes on in our mind when we enter this room. Me personally, I think of my speeches as 
a move and my opponent's speeches as another move as well. And inherently, whoever makes the slightly more cautious and the more confident move will inherently win. So this is a real life chess game. Who will come out on top based on their strategy, their confidence, their way of bringing out themselves? So when I first get myself situated and start to prepare, take my papers out, take my computer out, etc. All these things that are needed. I carefully examine the judge and I carefully examine my opponent. Who is my judge? Now, when it comes to appealing, a lot of politicians tend to do this. They look at their audience and they sort of tailor their speeches in a way that'll entice them, that'll get them to vote for you. This is exactly what we as debaters think as well. Because after all, it's the judge who determines who wins. So put your presidential caps on, everyone, as we as debaters will always do this. And now you may ask, why do you examine the opponent? Well, the opponent is also important. Think about how they are writing down things. Think about what their body language is. These kinds of factors can all kind of blend together to give you a clear picture of who they are. For example, if I see an opponent who is a little bit shy and doesn't really say hi, isn't friendly, well, I know to myself that this is somebody who I can easily overpower through clear and confident speeches. But let's say my opponent is also really nice and also has a pretty projecting voice. This is a clear sign that this is going to be a battle. It's a competitive chess game at this point. So before the round even actually begins, when they just enter the room, we need to make sure that the judge and the opponent are both examined and carefully analyzed. So. Now let's assume that we've all done this and we know who we're up against and who we have to convince. So, what goes in our mind now? Well, when giving speeches, it's important that we be really confident and we know what we are saying. And quite frankly, we don't always know what we are saying because sometimes there may be some unexpected moments where you know, let's say the opponent says some weird thing that we have not considered yet. Now, this is when your time comes to BS things. And that's totally fine. Whatever the case may be, it's always the confidence that is key. For example, let's take into consideration a more realistic situation. Let's say at some random party, you have to somehow convince somebody that the sky is red and not blue. Well, if your job is to convince, you're not going to say, um, well, the sky is red. No, you'll say the sky is red and I know it. This is exactly the way we operate whenever we do some kind of bullshit like that. And it's really a matter of how well can you bring out yourself? So when giving speeches, no matter what the content may be, it's important to be projection to be a projection and to make sure that we know 
what we are saying, even though we may not know what we are saying. Be the politician. So, now, let's say speaking is out of the way. What do we think of when listening? Well, sometimes people can speak really fast, and sometimes the judge may not even be able to hear. But rather than worrying about the judge in this scenario, worry about yourself. Because after all, it is I, as a debater's job, to jot down everything my opponent says. And although it may be inaccurate at times, I have to say something in order to refute. So, inherently in this case, while the opponent is speaking, I am listening very carefully. And this is oftentimes very stressful because, like I said just now, they may speak like a cheetah, they may speak like a rapper. These things can get in our heads and they may continue to obstruct our listening. But whatever the case may be, again, calm, composed, and alert. Always be defensive when you are listening. Always assume the worst. Do not ever make sure that anything is prime time. So speaking and listening, these are the two major things that go on within the round. Now let's say nobody is speaking. Let's say it may be some kind of prep time or the judge may be considering something. Well, in this case, we as debaters kind of just stay chill. In other terms, poker face. So in the poker game, many people will act like they're just calm or they may act in a very neutral way in order to not give away any feelings. This is inherently what we do sometimes because we don't want to show any sign of vulnerability. And if we do, if we give off some kind of weakness, the opponent, again, can take full advantage of this. Remember how I said earlier about how examining an opponent is very important because you can kind of automatically tell whether they are prepared, ready, or stressful, or all the opposite? This is exactly what will happen to me, myself, if I show any kind of, kind of vulnerability. So poker face is another thing that we make sure we do, and body language as well, is to always just be calm, composed, and neutral. And this kind of goes back to the staying in shape. So now let's kind of move on to how exactly we function as debaters rather than ourselves outside. Well, in the pre-round, we're still ourselves because we're not in the room yet. We're, I am still Kento Box and others are still themselves. But the moment we enter the room, it has to be clear that we are debaters and not just any random person going around and happening to step into a room just to debate some random topic. That is clearly not the case. So we inherently mold into a new version of ourselves. We are debaters. We do not care about any outside distraction. We are here to debate and debate proud. And this is inherently what we do. And we make sure that we are professional and we are at a higher expectation of what a human should be. And we make sure 
that most importantly, we always stay in the game. Now, to all you sports players out there, I've played sports as well. It's important to keep your head in the game because what happens when you kind of go off the pack? Well, bad consequences are deemed to happen. For example, let's say you're in a soccer game and your emotions get in your way and then you start punching others and you start making very foul violations. Well, ejection and the consequences are very terrible. This thing can exactly be applied to debating. So in round, no matter what happens, we must make sure that we stay professional and we make sure that we stay as debaters. So if anything, what can you as a listener get out of this whole thing? Well, just know that in a round, debaters are very professional. Debaters are very calm. And most importantly, debaters make sure to observe because these are kind of things that will always happen in life. And it's important for us to kind of get these skills early in order to continue to apply these. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is what happens in a round. So now let's kind of move on to what happens after the round. What goes to our mind after a, a whole heap of a debate? What happens after such an excellent round, such a competitive round? Well, it is my job here to explain this to you. <sighs> the round is complete. So many thoughts are going through my head. What did I do wrong? What did my opponent do wrong? What would the judge think? Would there be any hope for me? Would there be any hope for my opponent? How will this end up? Who won? Yes, this is indeed what happens after a round. Almost every single time, many of us debaters will feel anxious about who really won and perhaps the judge may be wrong at times we may think this way a lot but it's really important that after any kind of stressful event like this or any kind of comp competitive event it's important to just keep the mind off of it and this is gonna be something that'll take a long time to cope with and develop and well let's get to what happens so after a round like i said we have all these feelings in our head but a lot of the time we actually feel great wow i've done speeches i never thought i would do maybe you've never spoken like such great and passionate ways so inherently after a round we exit the room we shake hands with the opponent and we thank the judge for judging now this is actually an opportunity where you and your opponent become friends so in my case on the saturday that i just competed in i actually made friends with my opponent 
And this happens quite often because we always make sure to say goodbye to each other, tell each other that we did great. Yes, the Instagrams were exchanged. And it's quite a wholesome moment because it's somebody who you just fiercely debated against. And obviously, the respect is there. So why not become friends? So after I say bye and I leave the room, I kind of feel a new light. And for all you other debaters out there, yes, it's a pretty bright light, even though the sun may not be out sometimes. Because now we know we can go through this and we can make sure that we continue to go through this with dignity and with excellence. The post-debate mind is, is essentially just, well, to put it into the best words, proud. And for future rounds, we know what to apply and we know what to do better on. But most importantly, it's really, it's just a round. And the round itself, yes, we were different people. We were very professional. But once we're outside, we're back to our normal selves. We are in, I am inherently Kenton. And my opponent is, well, they can reclaim their name again. And once this happens, we just go back to relaxing. And it's honestly just a break time. But what's really important about the post, post round time is really just how to move on. Because yes, mistakes may have been made. Yes, we may have been nervous. Yes, we may have not convinced the judge. Because for whatever reason, the judge may have been very interesting. But the moving on is really the most important part. And that's what we as debaters will continue to go through and continue to master. And that, my friends, is what goes on in the mind of a debater. Hopefully you learned something about maybe what a tournament is like, all the emotions that go through, and how we deal with it. And I thought overall that this episode would be really good to kind of do and share with you guys because I really enjoy doing debate and it's a really important part of my life. And I thought that a lot of the things that run through my mind can be relatable to all you competitor folks out there. Because after all, we're all human beings and we all go through natural emotions through all these competitions and it brings a lot of excitement, stress, and nervousness at the same time. So I thought it was really wholesome and welcoming to be able to share this with you guys and hopefully it was able to resonate with a lot of you. And yes, it is Thanksgiving Eve. So happy early Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, I am grateful for all of you who make this possible and everyone and everything around me and who continue to invigorate my life to this day. I am forever thankful for Thank you all of you guys for listening and I will see you on the next one. 
Have a beautiful day, my friends.